Happy Wednesday and welcome back to the Home with Havila podcast. Havila recently spoke at the Mountain Mover Conference in Moses Lake, Washington, and she delivered a powerful message that we wanted to share with you today. She's diving into how as Christians, we will face storms. It's promised. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus in the middle of the storms, it changes everything. We know this message will encourage you to reevaluate your focus and stay at peace during those storms. So let's dive in. So why was Jesus teaching Peter to walk on the water? He wasn't. He was teaching Peter about focus. He was teaching Peter about where he was supposed to be looking in the middle of the storm. And I believe that Jesus was saying to Peter, Peter, you are going to go through many storms. You're going to face some really tough things ahead of you. You think you're going to drown. Let me tell you something. You're going to be in storms where you don't know if you're going to make it. But if you look at me and you get your eyes on me, I can sustain you through any storm. If you look at the wind and the waves, you're not going to make it, buddy. But if you look at me, the folk, your focus will be at its safest place. He was teaching him about gaze. He was teaching him about his compelling future. He was teaching him that if he knew where he was going, he was going to be okay in the middle of the storm. And then we kind of flash to the next scene of Peter's life. And I want to say this. The distraction that Peter faced was the distraction of fear and unbelief. All of us are going to face the distraction of fear and unbelief. We have to face that. And then we see the next moment we see Peter in his life is Matthew 26. Now, there's a lot that's happened in Scripture. I'm not going to take you through all of it. But at this moment, Jesus is beginning to change his tone. So initially, it's, it's like fish and loaves. It's, you know, everybody come with Jesus. It's a hometown buffet. It's incredible. Everyone's getting fed. And then Jesus starts changing his tone. And he's like, if you drink my blood and eat my flesh. And everyone's like, honey, get the kids. This is getting weird. <laughs> Right? Everyone's like, this is sounding really strange. First it was fish and loaves, now it's blood and flesh. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, he starts saying things like, I'm going to go. I'm going to be gone. One of you is going to betray me. And the disciples are like, what is going on? This is getting strange. And so finally, Jesus takes them to a garden, three disciples to go pray. Jesus goes away, comes back, they're sound asleep. Could you imagine this is the night Jesus is going to die and in scripture you're asleep? Like, (laughs) oh, I'm so glad it's not me. (laughs) And then all of a sudden you see Judas, who's one of the 12 disciples, walks through the garden, the Bible says, with a whole group of men and, and weapons. And he walks up to Jesus and he kisses Jesus on the face, which was a signal to all of the guards that this is the one that we need to incarcerate. And Peter watches this whole thing. And Peter, who has very little impulse control, we're we're realizing this in his life, Peter grabs his sword and cuts one of the soldier's ears off. Now, I just, I could you imagine? Like, this is so, I have four sons I am raising. This is all boy. I love it. He grabs the sword. He slices the ear off. The ear, could you imagine, just rolls over there. There's probably blood all down the guy's body, right? Jesus is standing there. Peter's got a sword. And let me tell you, when I first used to read this, because I was not a mom of boys, I thought that that was Peter's way of defending himself. No, no, no. This was Peter's way of warning the man what he was about to do. He's like, I got your ear. I'll get your head next time. Like this, we're just getting started. 
And Peter's ready to fight. He's like, bring it on. Like, guys, my boys, people go, did you give your boys weapons? I'm like, I gave them forks. <laughs> Everything was a weapon. Like, do you guys know? Like, they, 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 hurt. I mean, the other day, this is how it works. The other day, I got my son, one of my sons got airsoft stuff for his birthday. I don't know if you know what airsoft is. It's like, kind of like, like air bullet thing. I don't know. Clearly, I don't know. But it's, they wear camo and I don't know. They act, I don't know. So, anyway, so we got them all that stuff. They went, they're in high school. They come back downstairs. They're dressed after, after the day of school and they're in all their camo stuff and they've got the airsoft guns. And the two older ones walk through the living room and then I look behind them and the two little brothers are wrapped in sheets. <laughs> They're going to target practice on my babies. They're going to target. They go, it's fine, mom. It's fine. It's fine. It'll be fine. I'm like, it's not fine. You, that one of those, you're, you'll be blind. You're going to be blind or you're not going to be able to give me grandkids. This is not going to work. No, no. I said, go back upstairs. Um, and it's funny if you ask them, well, then let me shoot you first with a sheet. They're like, oh, no, no, that doesn't sound like a good idea. I'm like, exactly. Give, it to me, give me the bat. Let me try it first. So Peter cuts his ear off. Jesus, in the middle of this, Peter thinks we're going to war. This is amazing. It's <laughs> so amazing. Because he walks over and grabs the ear. Could you imagine? This piece of flesh, bloody piece of flesh, he grabs it, he walks over to the man, and he heals him. In the middle of his crucifixion, this is about to be brutally killed. And Jesus is like, let me just hand out one more sign of wonder. And you can imagine the guy's ear is clean, but he's probably still got the blood and the evidence of what happened. And Jesus looks at Peter at this moment. And I love it because I'm sure Peter's like, "Uh uh-oh, this is not going as I thought it would go. (laughs) And Jesus goes, Peter, that's not what I'm, we're not doing. That's not what we're doing. That's not how this war is going to be won. You see, Peter's distraction was injustice. Peter was so fixated on it being just or unjust, which it was unjust, that he thought when he saw that it was unjust, it was time to go to war. But Jesus said, I'm not going to win. You're not going to win like that. I got a whole other thing going on. In fact, I'm going to teach you how to actually war so that this, the war ends complete, completely and there's not just a back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, but that this conversation is done. And I think for many of us in this season, we have been fixated on injustice. And have things been unjust? Absolutely. Have there been things that all of us could protest and say, that's not right, or this is wrong, or we should do this, or we should do that? Absolutely. But we as a church, if our focus is only on injustice, we still will not have the safest gaze in the season we're called to. The only way we know what God wants us to do is to keep our eyes on him. And so he looks at him and he goes, that's not how we're going to win the war. I'm just curious how many of you have started battles that you never asked God if you should even start them. I wonder how many of us start battles and then ask God to help us win them. I'm going to get on Facebook and I'm going to be a keyboard warrior. And I'm going to say everything I want to say and then God bless it, let it go viral. And God's like, I'm not even on Facebook. Like I... It's hard for me to defend you. You look like an idiot. (laughs) 
how many of us are going to war on things that he's like, that's just not what I'm doing. Yes, it's important to me. It's so important. I'm going to die on a cross to end this injustice. So I'm not disregarding the unjust part of it. But I want you to understand that as, a, as, a, as followers of me, you still have to get your eyes on me first. You still have to know what the battle plan is. Because if you just go into right and wrong and I'm going to battle, then you're going to miss what I'm actually doing. The second distraction that we face as believers is injustice. And all of us will. And the third distraction we see Peter faces is at the foot of the cross. Jesus had warned him, you're going to deny me. Three times the rooster's going to crow. And then by the time it crows, you will have denied me three times. And you see Peter, servant girl's like, you're with him. He's like, I'm not with him. The other servant girl, you're with him. No, I'm not with him. Another guy goes, you're with him. And he goes, and he curses him. He goes, I'm not with him. I'm not with him. And he curses him. And then it says that the rooster crows. And if you read another passage in the same story but in a different gospel it literally said that Jesus looked at him from the cross so he denies him he looks up Jesus makes eye contact with Peter the same eyes that was walking on the water the same eyes that was in the garden is now at the foot of the cross and he's saying again Peter you're missing it your, your third distraction, our third distraction, my third distraction is self-preservation. And I'm telling you, in the culture that we're in right now, it is going to be very hard to be a Jesus-following, Bible-believing, truth-telling woman. And so I don't believe we're to fight. We're not supposed to start wars. Again, like I said, injustice, we're not out here trying to find that. But what I am challenging us on is how much of you is, are you self-preserving rather than saying, I got to get my eyes on Jesus. I'll never forget the time I gave my life to Christ. I was 17 years old. And some guys had picked my sister and I up to go to a party one night. And I was a church kid, which meant I stayed under the radar at church and I tried to be cool at school. And I was, at least that's what I thought. <laughs> and some guys had picked my twin sister and I up to go to a party one night. And when we got in the backseat of this car, we think we're going to this party. And all of a sudden, I hear, I sense like this clear voice inside of me. And I know it's God. And he says, Havala, what are you doing? And I didn't know what to do. I just knew he was speaking to me. And so I told the guys in front, can you turn the music down? To which the guy in the front turns the music down. And I did not have a plan because I'm 17. I have no impulse control at this point. And so I just blurred out in the darkness of this car, I have a call of God on my life. And it's awkward. It's not pretty. There's no piano player. There's, there's nobody. But when I say it, it's like, Everything just came in a clear view. It was like I wasn't living in two worlds anymore. I was being honest. So I started to cry. And I'm not much, I'm not really a crier. I'm more like an angry person that leaks. But I started to cry. Anybody else like that? Okay. And so I start to cry and I look over and I realize I have not brought my twin sister in on what's happening right now. She thinks we're going to a party and I've now yelled out, I've gone in my life. And the vibe, I'm killing the vibe. So I look at her like, what is she thinking? And her and I, we are so close that when we look at each other, we can almost read each other's minds. Anybody have a sister like that? Like one look and we know exactly like, okay, you want to go? Yeah. Okay. You want to get that? Okay. You don't. Okay. And so I look over and we're so similar. We were married six months apart. 
Our first babies are nine days apart. Our second babies are three weeks apart. And our third babies are three months apart. And they all have the same dad. No, I'm kidding. They don't. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. They don't. (laughs) I'm kidding. You sickos. Her husband is like this six foot three British guy. And he has pulled me in like I was his wife. He didn't, he didn't recognize us. We looked, we looked very similar. And I would be like, Daniel, let me go. I get pregnant really fast. (laughs) He throws me. I'm like, purify us, Lord. So my husband has slapped her on the rear walking by her and she turns around and he's like, (laughs) so sorry. So I look at Deborah and I think she's like, you, I'm, what are you doing? And she's crying. So I know God is something's happening in this car. And then I tell the guys in the front, I'm going to follow God. This is like what I'm going to do. And if you want to come with me, you can. I don't know what that quite meant, but you want to come with me. But this is what I'm going to do. And I still, it still hits my funny bone to this day because I look outside and I realize that these guys had taken us home without saying a word. (laughs) I like look out and I realize I'm in front of my house. Like this is, they're like, we still have time to get those other girls if we hurry. (laughs) So we awkwardly get out of the car. We're crying. They're dead silent. We never talked to them again. I mean, that's 17, right? And I go into my bedroom that night and I kneel down on my bed and I I have tears streaming down my face and I lift my hands up and I say, God, I am not much. I'm 17, I'm young, I'm a girl and I don't have any special gifts or graces. Like I've had learning disabilities my whole life. I I couldn't read in high school. You could not read my handwriting. I'm, I'm very illiterate as a person in general and I'm dyslexic, and I have a whole bunch of things that I don't have time to get into. But if you can use anyone, you can use me. I'm available. And how many of you ever said a prayer where you think God might send an angel to solidify the moment, but I didn't see anything? (laughs) I turned my light off and went to bed. And I thought nothing happened. But what I didn't know was everything happened. Because when you believe it in your heart and you speak it with your mouth, heaven begins to move on your behalf. And all of a sudden, I knew my life had changed. And you know what? The distraction of self-preservation had kept me never seeing the face of Jesus, never seeing what he had for me. But when I got my eyes back on him, it's like my whole world opened up. And for many of us in the room tonight, we've been distracted by fear and unbelief. We've been distracted by the injustice that we faced. We've been distracted by self-preservation. And I believe that we can get our eyes back on Jesus. I want to invite the worship team to come play. I want to finish this last portion of my message. So at the end, could you imagine Jesus looks down at Peter? And Peter denies him at the cross. He's still going to go to the cross. He's still going to be killed. He's still going to go to a grave for three days. He's still going to be resurrected. Not everyone will see him. A lot of people will see him, but he goes to the right hand of the Father, sitting there right now at the right hand of the Father, hoping we get it together. And then the whole, Jesus dies, that's what the world knows. And then there's about 120 people that get, go to this upper room and they begin to pray because they said, oh, there's going to be a spirit that's coming. 
We don't know what it's going to be like. We don't know what it's going to sound like. But apparently, there's going to be a presence that we're expecting. So 120 people gather. Like, that's like this little section here. That's it. That's what's left. That's the rem- that's the rem- like that's the that's the end. Could you imagine Jesus leaves the earth with 11 12 leaders, one of which had him killed, not a great leadership team, and 120 people and that's how he's going to change the world. And they begin to pray. The Bible says as they're praying, all of a sudden a wind fills the room and tongues of fire sit on top of their heads and they begin to speak in an angelic language and all of a sudden they are filled with the Holy Spirit. That means not just God is here, but God is in us. Now we get to hear him and walk with him because he's within us every single day. We are never alone and we have access to the thoughts and the heart of God every single day. And so as they're they're sitting up in this room, the crowd around them in Acts chapter 2, a crowd begins to gather. They think they're crazy. They're like, these guys have lost their mind. Those are those Jesus followers. Now they have a mental illness. What is happening? But as the crowd is gathering, they say to themselves, you know what? We should send somebody out there to talk to them. We should send somebody. Who do they pick? Peter. Of every man and woman in that room, they picked Peter. So Peter, the one that had in the wind and the waves sunk by looking at everything but Jesus, the one who had cut the guy's ear off in the garden and had fallen asleep at a time of prayer because of injustice, started a war Jesus wasn't going to join in on. The one that at the foot of the cross denied Jesus to his face, and now he's going to go out there and tell the world about Jesus. And the Bible says that Peter walks out in front of this crowd of thousands of people and he begins to preach God. He begins to preach Jesus. He begins to say that he is the way and the truth and the life. And he's beginning to tell them that everything Jesus did was true. Now listen, just ask yourself this question. Do you think Peter could have faced fear and doubt in the middle of that moment? Yes. Could Peter have faced Injustice, the distraction of death. Yes, they killed Jesus. They crucified him. They put him in a grave. Could Peter have been worried about self-preservation at that moment? Yes. Some of the disciples that were in that room would give their life for the gospel. It was not over yet. The danger was still there. But Peter gets up in front of everybody and begins to preach the gospel without fear, without unbelief, come on, without self-preservation, without distraction of injustice. And the Bible says 3,000 people get added to the church within a minute. Now, why is this important? Because when Peter got his eyes back on Jesus, he was able to change the world around him. And I believe tonight that God is asking us to get our eyes back on him. That we may have been distracted by fear and unbelief and finances and health issues and all our kids. We might have been distracted by injustice and the cultural things that we're facing and the realities of things and the divisions and and all the things that, that we're getting split as a culture in a world right now. And some of us are distracted by self-preservation. I mean, I want to be with him, but I don't want to be those people and I don't want to be called out and I don't want to start anything And yet I believe the safest place that we can be and have our eyes on is on Jesus. 
keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in, who was able to endure the cross, the shame, all of it, because he knew his finish line. And let me tell you, if you get your eyes on Jesus in the next month, in the next six months, if we could all, as a community of believers, get our eyes back on the face of Jesus, we can be healed, set free, anointed. We can have the breakthroughs. Something can happen in the midst of us. I don't want my kids to look at me and say, Mom was looking at a bunch of things. I want them to say, Mom had her eyes on Jesus the whole time. It looked crazy, but she kept her eyes on Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this message. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today. We love this message from Havila. It's so timely and needed for the days ahead. Stay tuned because we have some business-focused episodes coming up and a prophetic series in the works that you are going to love. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and leave us a review so other people can find the show. Share this episode on your socials and tag us at Truth to Table and at Havila Cunnington for a special shout out. We'll see you next week.